Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. I am Chad Jarvis. You you have come to know me. And tonight I am joined since Noah is over in, I believe at time of recording, he's in the northeast of England. Um, I am joined by our super sub as always, Captain Casa, Robert Kitson. How are you this evening i'm doing very very well we're like literally hours after uh the blades have beat sunderland uh noah gets his uh win in person even if it has to be on the road that's that's all right with me i just was not wanting him to go like home after watching three games and not uh, having us not win any of them that would have just been terrible yeah no i i agree with you uh I guess we're going to kind of do a bit of both. We're going to review a little of Luton and then touch majority of this pod on the you know, three points the Blades were able to pick up this Wednesday afternoon slash evening. Uh, what do you say, Robert? We might as well get right into it and let's bring up the blister in the room, I co- will call it. Um <laughs> The whatever you want to call Saturday afternoon's performance against Luton Town at home. A 1-0 loss, probably the worst we've played in God knows how long. Four losses in six. Middlesbrough, they do what they do, and they trim the lead back down to four. Yep. What were your thoughts on Saturday afternoon's whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty abysmal. Um, the, the match, it wasn't like our, a couple of our losses where we've actually played well and then just like not been able to score. It was just like missing opportunities to create chances. We didn't even like miss chances. It was just, didn't have the opportunities. Um, on the whole though, I mean, we, we did the watch along and it felt like the whole time, that we weren't going to get anything out of it. But then you looked at the stats and the whole way through, I was saying, but like, but we're here, like we're doing the right things, but they just, none of it was good. And I think it's because of the way Luton sets up the way Luton plays that just is meant to get a goal and shut the game down. And if they shut the game down before anybody gets a goal, that's fine too. So it, and it's just, it's a recipe that works on the road. Luton have 10 road wins, which is the most uh, in the whole of the championship behind us and or us and Blackburn are both behind Luton. So um, not Blackburn, uh, Burnley. Gosh, I forget the team that's up there because <laughs> <laughs> they've just we've not talked about them in so long. Right. Um, so but yeah, it's it's just a it's a recipe for success for Luton right now. And it it worked to perfect perfection against us on Saturday. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're exactly right. I. During the watch along, I kind of this was two weeks in a row. I kind of switched off halfway through and just was like un- <laughs> a in the most uninterested United supporters. And you know, you you said it a hundred percent. You know, we we were do like the possession stat. You know, all that analytics. If you're one for the analytics, pointed to a completely different game than what it actually was. But yeah, Blades were not at it. Um, players just looked disinterested. They got the goal, and that was kind of it. And it really resonated around, you know, when it gets to about the 88th, 89th, 90th minute, and all the fans started to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, even the fans have kind of turned their back on United, so to speak. And it's like, the way we were all acting, you would think we're bound for relegation out of the championship, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want it to say, like, you know, I don't want to say this, but, it, you know, if we go up this year and, and go in the prem, we're probably going to be rooted to the, to the bottom of the table anyway. But, you know, I don't want to see that atmosphere at Bramall Lane where the, the it's almost like the fans have just given up and said, like, F this, you know, we're, we're done. I don't, I don't want to um, – I don't want to watch this anymore, but I mean, you couldn't help it. Not really anybody wanted to watch that. Even the people in person were, you know, Noah said, he's like, 
one of the worst games we've played all season. And so yeah. we uh we come away with that um licking our wounds after taking that one nil loss to Luton Town and you know, Middlesbrough being Middlesbrough, they chopped the lead back down to four mm-hmm. after we had it up to seven after the <laughs> the Reading win. And you're like, okay, it's it's the seven going against Luton. Oh, let's hope let's maybe try to scrap a draw out of that. Go and lose. Middlesbrough go and win after trailing to Swansea, coming back and in eventually winning that one. Leads at four. And I guess we'll we're gonna break this into three segments. The Luton, the couple of days between Sunderland and then Sunderland. What you know, how far were you to jumping off that ledge after full-time whistle from Saturday afternoon, our time, yeah, to right before the game starts Wednesday afternoon? So what, a, a span of four and a half days, our time? What, you know, where were you at mentally? Like, oh my God, we're going to go against Sunland and just get absolutely beat. Middlesbrough win, and we'll just, you know. You might as well just tell them it's a one it's a one point lead now. Yeah, going into the international. Yeah, so definitely like Saturday Sunday was was pretty bleak. Um, you know, talking on the the Twitter sphere and seeing what everybody was commenting, it it was a lot of negativity. A lot of we're going to be the team that blows a thirteen point lead or whatever fourteen point lead in the in the table as far as automatic promotion places. Um, you know, everybody's tried to point fingers, you know, Hecky is good, but not great. And he can only take us so far. And this is the end of the line. And um, it was the team selection that, you know, the players, it's specific players were getting called out. Um, even, you know, former Blades players and pundits, a la Carlos Saba, who, you know, I love that guy. And he gives, he gives great commentary, but like, man, can he, he like turn on a dime on somebody yeah, and get really critical. Um but that's okay cuz like that we're we're emotional people humans have emotions and when your team who you support has been doing so well and then they don't and like clearly like are not right in the head for whatever reason on mm-hmm. the field then then you absolutely can express your emotions and so i think everybody got to, got that out got to vent it um tuesday rolled around and i i caught the tail end of the middlesbrough stoke match and uh they, they ended up drawing, so it was only a point. And honestly, that for me was like the glimmer of hope. I'm like, you know what? We are not going to go into the international break. Um, you know, unless unless we lost this game against Sunderland and Middlesbrough won uh, on Saturday by a ton of points, we would be at worst tied with them on points and maybe yeah. behind them on goal difference. Yeah. So for me, that was enough like, okay, if we get a draw, we're still ahead going into the international break. We'll have the game in hand, all that jazz. So I felt a little bit more comfortable knowing that we, I would love us and you know, we needed to win tonight, but it wasn't going to be the end of the world because yeah. Middlesbrough dropped some points. I'm like, okay, cool. So then leading up into kickoff, it was, you know, that, that mentality of, okay, let's see how this goes. Uh, you know, it's afternoon work stuff's going on. So it's easy to get distracted if we're doing poorly or get sucked in and just, you know, ignore work if we do well. And, uh, luckily it was, it was very much the latter. <laughs> I was yeah. right in. No, I agree with you. Yeah. The weekend after a full time, you know, I went and got absolutely hammered at the bar, <laughs> um, Saturday afternoon. So I kind of flushed that down the drain. And um, then, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're kind of like, you know, thinking, well, where do we go from here? You know, how do we how do we go again? You know, there's got to be definite definite changes with the the blades going into into Sunderland. And it's in now uh, of all the biggest games of the season, it's my one A and one B teams going at each other. And it's like I'm like, oh, of course, this couldn't be the biggest mind mind blowing game of the season where it everything hinges on the blades basically the blade season if they don't get a result then it all goes to hell for us and so you know 
then I tuned in for uh, match or not match of the day live. Talk Sport does around the grounds on um, on on their their app, and so I tuned in from kickoff to the full time whistle of Middlesbrough and Stoke, and I even brought it home with me and put it on my speaker at the house and had it up and I was listening and my girlfriend who I love dearly she said would you just turn that down I said you don't know how big this is and so the full-time whistle went and they drew and I was like okay it's not the end of the world the world that we still have three wheels on the car we don't we don't have four <laughs> anymore we've lost one of them so we're we're kind of on on three but I said we're okay, and then, you know, the biggest the biggest thing for me today leading up to the match was almost the breath of fresh air when we got the lineup, and it was kind of you you saw the likes of Norwood and Fleck out and McAtee and Doyle and still question marks around Sandy Barge that I've had over the last you know, I'd say month, actually yeah. three months probably. <laughs> um, and then you, you see Jebula in replace of uh, McBurney up front, and and Baldock comes in for Bogle. So f- right off the bat, four changes in the lineup for Blades, freshen the side up, bring a little bit of energy, and then you know we get we get ready to go. And you know if everybody listening to this by the time you do listen to this, you will know what the the result is, you know, inevitably the blades going and picking all three points up. So it was kind of, you know, like a pendulum, a swing of emotions over the past four days for, I believe everybody that wears a red and white shirt. Yep. And I mean, it's, you know, a pendulum is a great way to describe it because at one point there was a little bit of that seasickness that you get on the like swinging ship ride at Mm -hmm. the, you know, the carnival or whatever. So uh, certainly uh, a great analogy there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we might as well get right into this one. So the ball kicks off and, you know, blades right off the bat. A McAtee shot that was blocked in the box, but they brought their shooting boots for sure. And we were Absolutely. on the front. We were on the front foot for. I mean, here's another opportunity. Amin Hodzic has a set, a header into the center of the box that misses to the left. So two opportunities in the first two minutes of the game. Blades come out. It was almost like a track meet at the beginning yeah. of, the, uh, of the game because it was like. After the performance we put in on Saturday, you would have thought we would have started off a bit slower. On quite contrary, it, we had two efforts inside of two minutes, and I was like, "Where's this United that we've been? We were so used to watching, and now it's kind of mm-hmm. switched to another United, and now it looked like we were back to yeah, it, the old it was, United." It was really great to just see that much positivity within 30 seconds to get a shot, win a corner get a halfway decent header. Yeah. It went wide, but um, that, that type of positivity right away, I think got everybody into this match. It was like, okay, we we've, we've talked about this. We've, we've talked about the mentality. We've talked about getting the right players on the pitch, fresh legs, all that jazz. This is for real now that this team can do something. And, and, you know, it was, it was evident then for like the next 20 minutes or so, I think Sunderland maybe had one spell where they got into our half for like 30 seconds. And that was it. Like it was almost 20 minutes of us with the ball. And that was so refreshing to see. Yeah. And, you know, I think you spoke of their chance. Patrick Roberts gets the ball to try Hume and try Hume has a right footed shot and saved in the bottom right corner. I mean, I honestly, I think that's it. Then, you know, uh, Tommy Doyle has an effort blocked. Jebison has a, a left-footed shot from the center of the box that is saved in the left-hand corner. So, I mean, more like you alluded to, United just kind of pouring it on. And as the this first 15 to 20 minutes wore on and the more and more opportunities we had, I was like, this is going to be one of these games where we're not going to take our chances and we're going to end up ruining it. And <laughs> we're going to end up ruining it. 
the pessimism like sneaks in there still, despite all that positivity, all that possession, yeah. the attacks, the chances. You can you're still a Blades fan at heart, so you know we're not gonna score. Like exactly. This is gonna be one nil loss. And we'll have we'll have 45 chances and none of them will go in. <laughs> <laughs> so 15th minute, Sandy Barge gets the ball from Tommy Doyle and has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it is blocked. Uh, you know, it gets conceded for a, cor- a sum in the corner. Of course, we don't do anything from corners because we're horrible at corners. This is another talking point. Matthew effing Donahue was the referee of this game, and, you know, I have my foot in both camps here with United and, and Sunland, and I'm in a group chat with Blades fans, I'm in a group chat with Sunland fans. In the one thing they agreed on is the ref was absolutely horrible today. And in the first half, he was so card happy. He just mm-hmm. kept throwing, you get a yellow card, and you get a yellow card, and you get a yellow card. And it's like going out of style. And it's like, because the first booking of the game, 20th minute, Jackie the long throw goes in the book. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And I, give me a second while I try to find it. There was one, two, three. There was four players booked in the first thirty-five minutes of the game, yeah. and then there was only there was only three players booked in the entirety of the second half, and one of them was right before full time. So that really doesn't even count. Dan Ballard for mm. getting in the ref face is all he did. What were your thoughts on the yellow card friends we we watched? Yeah, it was it was very inconsistent because like obviously when you have the the possession the whole like first 20 minutes the blades didn't have to do any fouling, they didn't have to really make any tackles. We just had the ball. And then all of a sudden Sunderland kind of got the ball, made a little bit of a run and Jack Robinson, you know, like clearly a foul, a bit of a pullback and, you know, um you know Uh, impeding a player's progress but like not an accumulation of stuff nowhere near like last man or you know clear obvious chance that we're stopping there so like maybe by the book it's a yellow Mm -hmm. but it really could have been like it was soft enough it could have been just a regular foul because there were no other tackles really made at all by united and so like our first one is a yellow card and then i think was it max Lowe got one yeah. Uh, shortly thereafter for a very similar thing. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's consistent. Every pullback is going to be a foul. Nope. Because <laughs> no. then Ahmed Hodzic did one like a little bit later and he didn't get a yellow card for it. Now he got a yellow card in the second half, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, for, for that pullback, like, you know, not even 10 minutes later, it it was very inconsistent. I think that was the frustrating part, you know, from the yeah. Blades fan side is that you can't be that arbitrary with how you're giving out the yellow cards and then not maintain the consistency. Um, Cause we can get mad at you for being on the harsher side. If everybody's that way, if we yeah. and Sunderland are both getting carded that way, but when you give up a few at one point and then you stop and you give out a few later and then you stop it, that that's no way to maintain control of a match. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. And yeah, it's, there's, you know, Sunderland, and I'll get to it in a few minutes, but there is a questionable challenge on a United player that probably should have resulted in a red card. I have not personally seen it, but from what it sounded like on BBC Radio Sheffield, he definitely should have been off. So back to the game, Sandy Barge, as we continue to pepper the Black Cats goal, Sandy Barge gets the ball from James Mack attack. And he has his right-footed shot from the outside of the box is too high and over the bar. Uh, Then we go to the – here it is. Here is the goal for Sunderland, 30th minute. Edward Michu from PSG signed on loan. He's a little little young dude. I think he's like 17 years old. Gets the ball from – gets him the ball – and he has a right-footed shot that goes right underneath League One West. And something out of nothing. And Sunderland like that lead 1-0. And 
I almost felt my brain start to melt. It was like, <laughs> oh, man, here we go again. We've done everything. Controlled this game. And we go a goal behind. Your thoughts on the goal? Yeah, it was very much that moment of, oh, okay, well, we've been amazing, and then we're going to concede the goal. Sunderland will sit back, and we won't be able to get a goal, and we're going to lose this game. Um, That's just how it's gone like the last Mm -hmm. couple weeks. But um, I think the difference was how much like we dominated the first 20 minutes. I personally still felt like a glimmer of hope. I was like, okay, yeah, there's something in it. But I mean, immediately I, I turned to to Twitter. I was like, okay, what's everybody saying? Um, Cause I, I was, I happened to miss the replay. I caught the goal, had to look at something. So I missed the replay and everybody was like, Sander Berger, just like, let him go. Or like Jack Robinson didn't close down. And like between the two of them, it was like one of them was at fault or both of mm-hmm. them. Um, and I'm like, oh geez, it's Sandy again. Like, <laughs> When's yeah. this guy like actually going to show up? Because before that, you know, he was running the midfield, taking he great was. shots, efforts, like good passing. And I'm like, ah, oh, is this going to be one of those? He makes the mistake. And then, you know, we blame him. He's the scapegoat or whatever. Um, so anyways, it just, it kind of took me out a little bit, but um, you know, not forever, luckily. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. And I did miss the try Hume, what should have been a red card. Yeah. That- and that one was it, it it was definitely like he went in two footed into Jebison, but it was like shin to shin contact. Mm-hmm. Like the studs were nowhere near Jebo. So in that regard, like you could have definitely given a red card and no one would have batted an eye, but it wasn't yeah. an obvious red um, yeah. from my perspective and the replays I saw. But like the ball had already been like it was way in front of Jebison. He cleared him out. So from that aspect, it's very, very harsh challenge. And he did get a little lucky with only getting a yellow, but um, certainly not an obvious red because of yeah. the, the whole studs being kind of tucked away almost. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And I'm just taking, I'm, I'm seeing it through your glasses as well, because like I said, I did not see the challenge on Jebison that maybe warranted a red, but you know, in the end, uh, warranted a yellow card. So after the Sunland goal, not really much happens. United do get back on the f- front foot a little bit. It's kind of a seesaw game at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And you think, you know, Sunland are going to keep momentum or from the goal. And, you know, United are going to have to try and rip this game back out of, out of Sunland's hands. And so there's this little moment that happens in the 45th minute. We are, almost at halftime and the ball comes to gorgeous georgeous baldock and he is able to get the ball to james mcattack mcatee and james mcattack mcatee has a left-footed shot from the right side of the box to the left-hand corner blades back in it one one at halftime united back in it we're gonna win this seven one your thoughts on the goal, Captain Casa, you know, a great, you know, I'm getting used to these pretty goals from Mac yeah. attack. Oh yeah. You know, it's a thing of, it's a thing of beauty. Almost every goal he scores. And I just love how the finesse, he, he's like a finesse player, but he also has a little bit of flair in his game. Your, your yeah. thoughts on the goal. It, it certainly was like, you know, again, one of those brilliant individual effort type goals. Um, and we've seen the goals that we have scored in this recent poor run uh, of form have come from those types of goals. It's individual mm-hmm. creativity where they take the ball, they take the whole other team on, and then they somehow find the back of the net or they make the, you know, world worldly pass or, you know, something like that. Um, so this was definitely one of them. Um and the, the big thing I noted, though, to, to kind of sandwich the other comment about Sanderberg uh, is the the like giving away one goal, basically leaving your man to, to be able to shoot for Sunderland's mm-hmm. goal. But he was actually the Sheffield United player who stepped in a passing lane, took the ball and found George Baldock, who then was able to find McAtee, who then scored the goal so that opportunity came from sander 
like reading the passing lanes correctly, stepping in, like making a really good, like defensive decision and then creating that and immediately turning that into a, an offensive like opportunity. And mm-hmm. that's something that Sander has struggled with at times this season is that quick decision, that good d- defense and turning it into good offense. And he did yeah. that in this opportunity. Yeah. So yes, it is definitely McAtee's goal. Baldock's assist. I'm giving them all the credit, but in mm-hmm. the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, Sander created both goals so far in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm like, I'm torn because I love him and he's such a like fun guy. I love the videos and everything that the team put out, but this, these like up and down performances re- recently that have just really made it difficult to know what he is as a player. What value do we have? What could we get from him? Um, again, more long-term stuff than in the moment, but that's yeah. what went through my mind after this goal was like, Oh, cool. We're level, but also Sander actually not bad. Yeah. No, I mean, in before uh, the game, me and Noah were texting just a bit and I told him, I liked the lineup was good. I said, Sandy Barge doesn't need to be anywhere near it. I said, I hope we drive him to another club after, you know, at the end of the season, I'll let him go for free. And Noah wants 20 million from him. I said, I'll give him, <laughs> I'll pay somebody $5 to take him. But I mean, he played like, he played like the Sandy Barge of old and later or earlier in the season tonight. And it's like, if he had better performances, then he wouldn't have, he wouldn't go missing in games and in, in, you know, Everybody question him and say, "Well, basically, you suck, dude." Yeah, I mean, and, get but it also, together. If, if he had better performances, he would have left in January. Like, well, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Like it's honestly a little bit of injury and a little bit of inconsistency that's kept him here. Yeah. And my fear slash hope, because I like him, and when he's on, he's amazing. But like my fear is that we will never sell him because he's always going to be a little bit injured or a little bit inconsistent yeah. <laughs> and we'll just, no one will ever want him from us, but we won't want to get rid of him because he's too good. And we know yeah. that and we can see that. So anyways, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah. Uh, it is a good problem to have. Uh, so after that, two more minutes of added time in the first half, it ends first half ends one, one blades lads, one, one, an exhilarating first half, Robert. What are your thoughts? Do you think United were gonna were gonna settle for a one-one draw, or were they gonna go on and get six goals and take three points and tell Middlesbrough to shove it? I I was definitely not on the uh, multi-goal second half. I was <laughs> I was thinking we could get one and nick it, if anything. Um, but at that at that point, you know, we're back level. We've scored a goal. Um, I was I would have been content i won't say happy but i would have been content uh at halftime if it ended 1-1 and we at least match middlesbrough because that's the biggest thing is Mm -hmm. keeping pace in front of them (laughs) Um, they're chasing us but we we need to maintain that gap as long as possible so for 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 me it was definitely uh expecting that we could get a goal based on how we played the first half but expecting that at least a, a draw i would be content with no, you're you're exactly right. And uh, there was a message. This is an interesting stat that you know, devoted listener Scott that always chimes in on our watch alongs and yeah. listener of the pod. He 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 tagged me in this tweet. If United, this was prior to the game. If United win tonight, and that's six points ahead with twenty with twenty seven possible points left on the table, aka nine games left. Even if in the last nine games we win five, draw two, lose two, Burrow would have to win eight to overtake us. So that's an interesting perspective to look. You know, with, with, with the lead back to six now, Burrow have to win eight of the last nine to overtake us. And we have, we can drop, we can drop what? Eight points out of twenty-seven. Yeah, if we drop and eight still, and they drop three, yeah, yeah, and they drop three, we can we can still go. We can still go up. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's un unbelievable. I mean, we all think like we're hanging by a thread right now, but I think the thread might be thicker than we all really 
truly want to think think and believe. Yeah, I agree with that. So second half starts off, and you know, Sunderland had I want to say in, in the second half, and especially after we get the second goal that I'm going to allude to here in a minute. Sunderland had a bunch of the possession, and they looked yeah. a more dangerous side in the second half. You know, after United got the second goal, they kind of almost switched off. We subbed a bunch off and then let Sunderland have the ball. So 51st minute, McAtee has a left-footed shot outside the box and misses right. Uh, Skilliman and Die with a ball, a ball through from James McAtee. He has a right-footed shot in the right on the right side of the box and is saved. Uh, Ahmed Hodzic, as you alluded to, goes in the book for that effort, that pullback. He kind of had, it was a little dicey in the back today too, because there was a couple of clearances. He couldn't exactly get cleared. And when he did clear them, cleared them into opposition players that had me scratching my head and, MFing the TV a few times. Yeah, yeah. An- Anel has definitely had better games for us, um, defensively speaking. This this is probably in his bottom third of, of defensive performances. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, maybe it was, you know, the extra rain. Maybe just he's played a lot of games and he missed a couple with the suspension, so he's still getting back to full form. You know, whatever that might be. But, uh, yeah, a little, little off today. Yeah. Back to the game, 56th minute, Sunland chance. Dan Bellard has a header from the center of the box after he comes in from a set piece. I mean, honestly, if I had, if, you know, I'm, I'm looking towards next year, I mean, I know I have both feet in both camps. <laughs> Dan Ballard, although he's on loan from Arsenal, maybe we could get him in the Prem if we went up. Yeah. Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts. Sunderland have a lot of youthful experience, kind of still young, but experienced players that, you know, if we got them at the right time, we could propel that into something big, you know, obviously coming back, you know, probably in the the year after coming back down, you know, already being ready for the championship and we could boss it again. You know, you never know, but they do have a lot of youthful talent in their side. Yeah, I, I noticed that at the beginning of the match. I and again, I'm not as familiar with the Sunderland uh, eleven as you are, but uh, just looking at them, it felt like we were playing kids. Yeah. But not in like their skill, not in like their size or anything. But they all just have youthful faces. Yeah, they <laughs> and, do. Like it's like a team of baby faces. And yeah, it right? was funny. And then I laughed. And then I was like, you know what? I can't because they're gonna like run us over if I yeah. if I keep thinking this. So I mean. Um, but yeah, youth, and it's that's kind of the way that the championship is going a lot. Is you have your old veterans and your like on loan youth from the prem, and mm-hmm. you have to find the best teams have that connective tissue between them. And you know, Burnley's one of those teams. We're you know we're in second, so we're one of those teams where yeah. we have a little bit more consistency in that middle part of the like balance between youth and wisdom. We'll say. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the, the baby face kids that, honestly, most of that side came up with them from from League One last year. And, you know, I, I watched the majority. You know, I'm not able to watch as many games this season, but I still keep tabs on them because we have to do the watch-alongs. But, yeah, they they are certainly heading their, their um, structure – of their squad is built to take them up and beyond in the Premier League, and they'll they'll be knocking on that door in a couple of years. I mean, their bit, whole business model is all structured, and they're they don't want to go up this year. They want to go up maybe two more years. I mean, yeah. if they do catch lightning in the bottle and go up next season, I mean, they'll probably get relegated. But it's like a year or two ahead of their business model, so mm-hmm. they do have the structure in place. And we shall shall see where they end up come next season. Uh, we might as well get back to the game. There was a big <laughs> moment that happened in the 61st minute. So Skilliman and Die is on the outside of the box. Okay, he's got the ball and he's dribbling. And the Sunderland players, you know, he's going left to right. 
I wish people could see this because I'm doing hand motions with my <laughs> it's it's with really my hands good. right now. It's really good. Yes. So he draws a foul. Okay. Up steps Mr. Tommy Doyle. Blades line the box with Blades attacking players. So I'm going to have all their players as as Robert on the other end of the camera is <laughs> forming up his line. We're, we're visualizing here. Yeah, this we're is, visualizing so how this yeah. play goes in. So referee gets everything set, blows a whistle. Tommy Doyle comes through the ball. The ball curls, albeit it looks like it take a de- takes a deflection. In my humble opinion, this is this is my honest opinion. No one touches the ball. The ball curls perfectly around around Anthony Patterson, tucks nicely in the Sunderland goal. Blades go up 2-1. Sunderland players throw their hands up, say that's offsides, blah, 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 blah. Goals shouldn't have counted. They say all this, all this BS. Apparently after the game, the officials came up to Tony Mowbray, Sunderland head coach, said, hey, we apologize. Second goal shouldn't have counted. Take it for what it is. They didn't take it back. Blades 2-1 up. Your thoughts on the goal? Robert. Yeah. Uh, another Tommy Doyle set piece goal, um, free kick goal. I think he's had one other this season mm-hmm. at least, but uh, man, I want him so bad, regardless of which league we're in next year. I yep. want him on our team, uh, whether that means we're purchasing him from Man City or loaning him again, but just the skill that he has from, from free kicks is amazing. We saw it there. It did not touch anybody. I'll I'll agree with you there. If there's any doubt, like just go watch the replay. There's one perfectly from behind the goal, and you can see it just whiz right by Sander Berga's stomach. You know, like mm-hmm. his legs up, his arms out, and it just goes right in that little, you know, crevice right in between everything. Um, but that being said, Sander and John Egan, for that matter, both started offsides when mm-hmm. the kick was taken. So if the refs deem them to be interfering or involved in the play or the goalie's line site or whatever, then yes, you should probably raise the flag and call it offsides. However, the linesman probably live said, Nope, it didn't touch him. And from his angle, he can't see how close it was or like that angle from behind the goal where we see that. Yeah. It looks like the keeper's waiting there for the deflection off of Sander. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that ball's going in. Even if Sander's onside, that ball's going in. The keeper's not getting there. Even yeah. if Sander touches it and the keeper's waiting, Sander's going to kick it up around him either side. Like that keeper was caught flat-footed. He was never going to stop it. Yeah. So oh. I I feel comfortable with a potential missed offsides call because of the quality of that goal and that it was going to happen even if you take Sander and Egan out of there or move him back a foot when the kick is taken. Like that ball's going in. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. You know, like you said, Johnny Squarehead, Egan, Wrigley, Spearman, Egan, and Sandy Barge were both offsides. But like you said, it was going in regardless. If you take those two players out, <clears throat> Anthony Patterson's not getting that ball. Um, so Blazer up 2 1. And I kind of relieve. I, you know, I throw a couple FUs, FYAs in the air, punches. As I'm doing on camera not right now, punches to the air. And I think, okay, let's go get a third and let's put it away. Because I said to myself before this game started, I need a Blades win. Sunderland are safe to the point where they're safe. They can reach the playoffs, but they're probably not going to do anything in the playoffs. They don't have a yeah. striker. So I said, Blades need these three points to get the gap back reestablished. And that's where it is now. So we'll go back to the game. 67th minute, Jack Clark has a left-footed shot at the center of the goal. Wesley has a save that right That's after right. And, the huh? – And that, that one was a, an L mistake. That was his big one. That was right where there. he got – yes, he was tracking back. He tried to clear it. It got caught between his legs. It lands to the foot of Jack Clark. Jack yeah. Clark's like, I'm going to have a go, and it's saved by Wes. Yeah, Wes, Wes did an amazing job getting down strong arm there um but yeah that that was just a, a key example of how not on it today adele was or wasn't yes. <laughs> yes and in 68th minute this is where this is where blades did nothing for the rest of the game 
Sunderland did everything. 68th minute, and it, the ball from Joe Gilhard gets finds the foot of Patrick Roberts. He has a a left footed shot that hits the left post. That was West was yeah. beat like a drum. If it's three inches to the right, it's in. It's two two. We get let off by the post, and it gets cleared out, and it's like, oh, God, thank God we didn't concede because I <laughs> surely thought since we went ahead, we were going to concede. Yep. Yeah, it, it was two really good chances for Sunderland back-to-back, and that's when you knew it was like, okay, this game's not over yet. We yeah. would we could really use a, a third goal at this point, but, um, yeah, it was, it was time to start making some subs, start, you know, getting getting some fresh legs out there and um i think that the sub that happened like almost immediately afterwards uh on the next corner was mcburney for jebison mm-hmm. and man was that an inspired change because yep. mcburney the rest of the game was back heading away every single set piece from sunderland it yeah. was spectacular to see yeah and, and you know i'm gonna pretty much sum this up by saying what i said as I'm scrolling through the match ticker, it was a bunch of, of United changes and a bunch of Sunderland changes, and not really much happened for the rest of the game. Try Hume had a a effort that was that misses to the right in the 75th minute, but it was 11 players behind the ball for United for the after that goal went in. We we absolutely closed up shop. But it was inspired in there. Mm. But the one thing I will also say is from both sides, they're all players, all outfield players were absolutely dead tired when they were done. Both teams put in an absolute shift. And, yeah. and you know, more to your point about McBurney comes in tracking back on every ball. It, but it, it never seemed like we could string two or three more passes together. We get the ball pass it once and then give it away and then do the same thing when we got the ball and then suddenly would have it for two or three minutes give it away or they'd have an effort that we you know we'd clear out and we we cleared only as far as the midway line and mm-hmm. and then they'd come again it's just like the onslaught of everything you know they just it, it almost felt like there was a goal coming and united didn't do anything for the rest of the game and to be honest, for all that possession, Sunderland really didn't do much with the ball either. I mean, yeah. they had those couple efforts, but other than that, I, I'm into I'm in the stoppage time right now, and I'm looking at it. First of all, seven minutes. I don't know where that comes from, <laughs> and then they add on seven minutes in like you got the seven minutes, and they add on like another thirty to forty five seconds, and I'm yelling at the TV. I'm almost shaking the TV, saying. Where the F is full time? Blow the F and whistle. Oh, Come on. Man, I, side note, you would have hated the I've watched uh FC Cincinnati in the MLS play on Saturday night. The second half had seven minutes put up on the board. Then there was like a two minute delay, so they changed it to nine minutes. Jeez. We played 14 minutes of stoppage time, five extra minutes. No one knows where that came from because they changed what was on the board. I was annoyed. <laughs> and my yeah. wife was sitting next to me the whole time. And she's like, I told you soccer's subjective. I'm like, no, honey, this ref is just doesn't know what he's doing. So yeah. I, I, I was fearful of similar things this afternoon when, yeah. you know, they, it kept going and it kept going. I'm like, Oh no, I can't, this can't be two matches in a row for me to watch. And just like, you know, a one goal lead. Cause both were, you know, one, one goal. And I was like, Oh gosh, Come on, just blow the whistle, blow the whistle, and eventually he does. But it's yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, no, you're you're right. I, I thought for sure as long as we kept it going, Sunderland was going to have one more effort, and the ball was going to creep over the line. But at the end of it, full time whistle goes with ninety seven and forty three point two five seven seconds gone. Blades jubilation. As I'm doing, punching the air, celebrating a massive three points, as we alluded to earlier, Blades go back up to six-point lead over Middlesbrough. Yes, we don't play this weekend. The lead will more than likely be be trimmed to three coming out of the international break. Obviously, us having a game in hand against WBA further down the road. 
will be the game that we make up and get back level on the amount of games. So we will see where, where this ends up. But I'll throw it over to you, Robert. What were your final thoughts on this good win? Yeah, that, that's exactly that. It was a good win. Um, we showed at the beginning of the first half that we know how to atta- attack and create chances and be dominant on the ball. Um, yes, we didn't con- uh, convert from any of those chances, but uh, we did score two goals today. And, you know, it ended up being two of the players that everybody wanted to see on the pitch in McAtee and Doyle. Mm-hmm. And I think that going forward, Hecky either needs to rotate the side more, you know, like if, especially if we're going to have some, a few more midweek games, do one set of players weekend, one set of players midweek, mm-hmm. uh, or just play the hot hand. And if someone's not scoring, someone's not performing well, don't just leave them in there because they should be better. Take them out and make them be better. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, Norwood has not missed a lot of game time <laughs> in uh, this season and last season. And he, he's had to sit out this game and it worked because Tommy Doyle was taking the set pieces and scored from one. So that's an immediate example of a player that we just don't take out of the game who eventually, you know, once you do that player, you replace him with can, can perform yeah. um, everybody. I think the next one is Sander Berga. When is he going to not start a game or play the full game? Okay. At some point, yes, that should probably happen, but, Every game we say that, you know, he has one bad performance. The next one's a good performance. So it's really hard to say with Sander. And I think he's just an enigma in and of itself. We've talked it. We've, we've, you know, beat that horse at this point, almost dead. So, um, but yeah, overall positive feelings, six point lead. We're going to be in second, even with the game in hand after the international break. So Mm -hmm. that's where we wanted to be. Yeah. And, you know. I echo your sentiments as well. You know, it was a good win. It wasn't pretty, but, you know, we're back to grinding them out. And, you know, we get a few more results like that. Obviously, this weekend we play Blackburn in the Cup. We don't play another league game for about two, about what, two weeks from two weeks from Saturday. So you could say two and a half weeks we don't play another yeah. league game. Um, You know, just what more could you ask for? An inspired effort from the boys, full of you know energy and running up and tracking back everything you could ask for. So you know, and I just while, while you were talking, I, I pulled up you know what our run in kind of looks like, and I guess not run in but run out of the international break. Obviously, everybody's got the big one against Norwich circled. Then we play. We go to a holiday weekend, and we play Wigan Friday, Burnley Monday. Mm. So that's a quick turnaround because uh, yep. Easter holiday weekend. And then that's kind of where the fixtures then lighten up a little bit, although Huddersfield did take points today off of Norwich. So that's a little bit helpful for you know our sake when we play Huddersfield because after that – after the Burnley game on that Monday, the tenth, then we have a we don't play until the weekend, where the the fixtures get a bit easier. But after that Burnley game, and then we go to Cardiff on the weekend, then we play Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Monday. Yeah. So after you know it's three games out of out of the international break, and we're almost well. Actually, you could say it's two games because you hit Wigan, then Burnley. You know, you're back to that short turnaround. So that's as you alluded to, is key with the, how, how the squad rotation is and if Hecky gets it right against some of these tougher opponents that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the teams, again, any team in this league, we've said it over and over, any team can beat any team. Um, but Norwich, kind of scary. Burnley, I'm just chalking that off as a loss at this point. Like, you know, whatever, don't care. Um, granted, we did beat Fulham last year when they basically had like wrapped up the league. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. It might be too much left in the season for Burnley to be on the beach yet, but um, anyways, but you know, Wigan, Cardiff, Bristol city, Huddersfield, Preston, Birmingham city, and even to an extent, West Brom are all teams middle or bottom of the table. So there's not a lot of P 
people that we shouldn't be beating left on the schedule. Yeah. It's a matter of actually stepping up and performing like we should. And today we showed it. Last week at Reading, we showed that we can scrap a result out. We just need to avoid results like Luton, where we're yeah. in a close game and we let them get the first goal and don't come back like we did today. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would, I would agree with you with with everything you said. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, if we go and beat Blackburn this weekend, then we add another cup game. We get a semifinal in there that, yeah. that almost congests our schedule even more. So it's just one of those things where we're just – I almost hope and pray – that we don't send anybody out on international duty saying, Hey, these are just friendlies and we have a league campaign that we have to finish. The last thing we need is somebody getting hurt. Yeah. And, and like, like you know, John Egan eventually going down for Ireland or something, right? Yeah, he plays like, every single minute for them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even looking at, at, at Burroughs running, I'll compare their run into ours and, you know, they they play Saturday because they're not in the cup. They play league action against Preston. Then they go to Huddersfield. They also have Burnley. They have Burnley the same day that we have Wigan on that Friday of the holiday mm-hmm. weekend. And then they have Bristol City, Norwich, Hull. They have Luton, away to Luton, Rotherham, and they finish up with Coventry. So, I mean... Who's to say, you know, they got at least three games they could slip up, Norwich, Burnley, and Luton. Yeah, I, honestly, that that those three, we have two of those. And, yeah. and then Preston, Huddersfield, Bristol City, we both share, as well as Burnley and Norwich. So there's a lot of similar teams yeah. um, where I would expect similar results, you know, if things go the way they should. So it's really going to come down to probably – Luton and us not slipping up. If yep. Middlesbrough lose to Luton, I think we're fine. Yep. Um, now, obviously, that's you know third from last game, so we'll we should know a little bit more by then. But um, yeah, if if we don't slip up, then um, I don't see how Middlesbrough's schedule is any easier than ours. Yeah, yeah. So we will turn the page quickly, Robert. Who was your man of the match today? Ooh. I would probably have to say it's going to be weird, but it's it's the Man City boys. I'm going to lump them together because they both got the start. They both got the goals. Um, they each contributed in their own way, but collectively they rocked the midfield. They they and Sander, who stepped it up today too, uh, they, they just won us the game in, in every way. And that for me was was impressive to see them back out there working together because early in the season it was always one was swapped in for the other when it yeah. came substitution time so to see them playing together and getting these results and chances and goals is really cool to see yeah no i would agree i was gonna say mcatee he just with the goal he, I, I thought he had a great performance today so yeah. james mcattack mcatee my man of the match so robert if you haven't been living under a rock for i don't know what about a month or so we all know what sunday is the fa cup quarterfinals at bramo lane noah and all the blade podcasters will be there in bramo lane as we take on blackburn rovers in the quarterfinal of the fa cup Quickly, your summary or what you would do going into this game, would you <laughs> attack it full bore because we're one step away from being in a semifinal at Wembley? Rest some p- people knowing we we do have an international break or go full bore knowing we have an international break. Your thoughts on this FA Cup and give me a score prediction oh, while you're at it. I was afraid of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I would say we might as well go for it. Because we have the break and it's only friendlies afterwards. So, you know, maybe there's a chance that a couple of players don't go out to their international teams. Um, and even if they do, it's less intense minutes uh, on them. So it'll be a bit more like a break. Um, and at a minimum, it's a mental break after everything. So just put it all into the match. If we lose, oh, well, 
like you say, we now have the league to focus on and we're good to go. If we win, hey, we get to go to Wembley. Yay. And that'll be fun and worth it, in my opinion. Even if we lose in the semifinal, even if we make a final and lose, we're not going to win the cup. I'm just going to not even entertain that idea. But but like being at Wembley, it doesn't happen often. And yes, I'm not going to be able to go over uh, and experience that atmosphere. But vicariously through Twitter, vicariously through the TV screen, vicariously through, you know, all of the the folks that I, I talk with who are over there who would go to Wembley. I think that would be so cool to, to have our club there. Um, and again, that's more national spotlight, international spotlight. Um, so in my mind, we go for it. Uh, as for a score prediction, if anything, I'm guessing it's probably going to be a little bit like today where we go out on the front foot but we don't score a goal. Blackburn scores a goal. And then we come in back into the match and, and win it two one. Okay. I'm good with that. I was going to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like that, that score line. Um, as for me, myself and I, I think, you know, I agree with you. I've been, I've been a big proponent of just saying F it and let's drop out of the cup, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we did go and beat Tottenham, so that was impressive. Like you alluded to, go for for full bore. You do have the the off week between Blackburn and, and Norwich, so that'll give us some time to mentally rest. If Johnny, as you alluded to, doesn't play seven hundred minutes for Ireland, um, but no, I I think we go full bore and try to get to to Wembley and you know a little bit more brand exposure for all these, especially. Not only the people in, in Sheffield, just to get Sheffield United up there with, you know, possibly could get drawn against one of the Manchester clubs, Fulham, mm-hmm. Brighton. You, you never know. Who who knows? Um, even little Grimsby Town. You don't count Man. them out. Uh, that'd be fun, but, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that would be cool. Um, but, you know, even mighty Burnley we could get. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where this far along with the break, go full bore, try and get a, a win. If you lose, you lose. What is it? It is yep. whatever. We exactly. just focus on the league. Nine games left. Con- full concentration on that. We go for it. But, you know, if we go and win, then you're like, oh, crap, we're going to Wembley and we got a semifinal to play against whoever it is. You know, and and you know the the magic of the FA Cup. Maybe we nick a goal and end up going to the final. So, you know, we will see. I'm gonna go. I was just gonna go. Screw it. I'm gonna say three nil, even though it's probably not gonna be anywhere near three nil. Um, believe, man, believe. We'll we'll but, let you revise your score on the watch along on Sunday morning. How about that? Yeah, right. Go three yeah. nil now. We're yeah. we're on the high from the wind still. Yeah. Sunday morning, the pessimistic chat will be back. Yeah, I'll say four one Blackburn <laughs> win or something. Yep. Yep. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see us win three nil. I did not do a, a YouTube preview video because I I figured the games have been so close to when we last played Blackburn to playing Blackburn within two weeks, I didn't see it fitting to review with the same guy. That's going to say the same answers. The only thing that's going to change is, Oh, we beat you guys two weeks ago. So I said, uh, don't worry about it. I'll for sure have a Norwich preview out. So with that being said, I think that's all the time we have for this episode of the red half of Sheffield. I always, like I always want to do. Want to thank Mr. Captain Casa for coming on and joining me in a sub. We got a right hander out of the bullpen throwing gas at 100 miles an hour, and he three up, three down, retired the side, and we're going to the middle of the inning. But for anybody that wants to follow you, Mr. Casa, where can they follow you on the social internet medias? Yeah, uh, at Captain Cosa, C-A-P-T-N-C-O-S-A. And uh, yeah, try to try to tweet a little bit more often. I realize I've said this a lot. I'm like, oh, yeah, tweeting about sports and stuff. Now I'm just like reading and liking everybody's comments. I like hardly put anything out there. So I'm going to I'm going to do good this weekend leading up to the cup. I'm going to be tweeting like crazy. So come give it a follow. We'll have some fun. 
Chad and I will be on the watch along. Yep. Noah, hopefully, did he get a ticket? Is he going to be there? In, in yeah, person? he'll be there on Sunday. Oh, oh yeah, he'll be there yeah. on Sunday. We yep. should see if we can patch in a live, like, from the ground type commentary, like, oh, we should. or something. Yeah, we I don't should. know. I'm saying this live, like, as we're recording, so maybe this is a post-match, uh, <laughs> post-recording conversation, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you haven't done so already, follow our podcast, The Red Half of Sheffield. You can listen to us on all platforms, like, subscribe, do whatever you do to make us great as our great listeners. Everybody listening, they've probably all turned us off by now. But you can follow us on Facebook, The Red Half of Sheffield, on Twitter, at Red Sheffield. As I alluded to with the YouTube channel, we have content. I highly recommend you check out Noah's vlog that he did from the first time he was at Bramall Lane. He'll... I would assume he's going to do part two and three and just lump it all together, but I don't know. Um, yeah, give it a, a, a subscribe, a like, and just everything you possibly can do. If you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Jarvis underscore 13. And until Sunday, an early kickoff, 12 p.m. GMT time in the a little thing called the FA Cup, Robert. <laughs> Up the blades. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. Miss you, Noah.